to end if love remains a unique show spotlighting people ideas science culture and art your host mike lovett, mike lovett. thank you rachel you are listening to mike lovett that is me and uh and i have again a good friend of the program one of my favorite people uh <laughs> I almost said Joe John Trent <laughs> uh, Wolverton Joey man my man thank you for coming on oh thank you Mike I, it's funny it's, you say I'm one of your favorite people you really are one of my favorite people and I I, I, told, I was telling someone just yesterday because we were planning to do this and I'm like if you want to hear me at like an 11 then the only place I've ever been on an 11 is with you Everywhere else, I, you know, the the host seems to want to take a, a more tempered tone, but you seem to let the the line, you know, to let the beast off the leash, and I like it. Well, I know I listen. I appreciate it. I think I think the stuff that you're saying, I think the the the, the, the gospel of liberty has got to be preached, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there, I think we're entering times where it's getting harder and harder to be. Um, temperate about liberty. Well, it's like Cicero said, you know, that one of the reasons the founding fathers love Cicero and I love Cicero because here we are again, standing here facing, do we allow, you know, some distant central government to consolidate all power and to deprive us of all liberty. And Cicero himself faced that and the founding fathers faced that. And and Cicero, he said, you know, we've come to the time where every man has to wear on his brow what he feels about this republic. You know, do you, are you, and if you, you're either going to be branded loyal or a traitor. There's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's absolutely, I think that's true about our time right now. Let me ask you, I want to ask you a question about just mm-hmm. like your own um, feelings uh, about the, the, zeitgeist in the world what's going on um and and it's funny we use these terms like red pill blue pill you know all this mm-hmm, stuff but mm-hmm. um i like uh uh um the idea of you know black pilled or white pilled like how what's your what's your state of hopefulness as it comes to uh the the united states or the re, or the constitution um the things that when we think of the united states and the the liberties that it's supposed to uphold what is your hopeful factor on on the near future of that? Well, I will tell you, and maybe it's a story that will bring a tear to, you, to your eye, and it ought to, but it's an absolute true story, and it is a story that I repeat everywhere I go. I just gave a speech in uh, – uh, where did I get that? I don't even remember, but I gave a speech, and I, was, I mentioned this story, and it happens to involve you, and it was um, – because people always ask the same question, you know, what what is the source of hope? If you have any hope, what is the source of it? And, you know, the story I tell is that, well, first of all, it's like the uh, French philosopher Charles Pinot Duclos said, you know, these, these same scenes are played over and over again on the stage of, of civilization. We, we see the same actors, the same, you know, the same plots just different different settings, but the same actors, the same plots over and over again. And the idea being that we can avoid them if we, if we recognize that the same uh, effects always come from the same causes. But we're there, as Trenton Gordon said, there's a vast fund of stupidity in mankind. So we don't see those things. But one of the things, and the only thing, the literally the only hope there is, in my opinion, is the uh, rising generation and uh, the generation after that. And so a story I tell is that, you know, uh, your daughter, Rachel, who you just mentioned, your daughter, how, you know, you, first of all, every class she's ever been in of mine, she's the most fiery, patriotic, patriotic little anarchist that I've ever known. And 
I love every second of it. And, you know, I'm here for all of it because she is, is so intellectually curious and so, um, steadfast in her commitment to truth and, and, uh, as, as are all your children, but Rachel is the story that I tell because you told me that she had taken quotations from class and she would like put them on your door of your house or something. That's right. And, she did. Yeah. And I'm like this not, girl, by the way, not, not just our door. She would put them on our, uh, on our, our, uh, the, 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 I even came. I came to talk about it. So, but she would put it on the uh, the carport door. She'd put it on right in front for everybody to see. He drove by our house or drove in our driveway. You know, right. it was it was not hidden. And that exactly, and that's the story I tell. So, the story I tell is unfortunately, well, unfortunately for the tyrant, we've got uh, math on our side because you've got, you know, young women like. Rachel and several of the young women that I've taught who will raise, uh, you know, outside of the view of the tyrants, as you know, as Sydney calls them, hid and unregarded. You know, Rachel and several other of her uh, sisters will raise house, you know, households full of little patriots who are hidden unregarded and when the time comes they will rise up and they will draw that line and they will say you know to the tyrants you go no farther i don't care what my father's allowed i don't care what my grandfather's allowed i'm not allowing it and yeah. that's what happened i mean james madison senior didn't didn't resist the british it was james madison junior and so your your daughter and your children and several other families that i've taught that's what it beyond hope it's certainty mike it is certainty it's not even hope and people think that's so foolish and i'm like well you don't know these kids no and and, and you're exactly right i was in fact i i took her i was privileged to accompany she, she decided to come with dad which is always a thrill um to one of my parties someone my friend had a had a halloween party that we went to and she wanted to dress up in her costume so we went and and it's it's quite remarkable because my my daughter, who's fifteen, doesn't look at a forty year old or a sixty year old or anybody as anything different than her. Like they, right, that's true. You know that she speaks to them as an adult because she's always spoken to adults, and you know she's and and anyway. So so we got in a conversation with um with a friend and and uh, and she brought up just out of nowhere, like so. I'm curious, what do you think about you know, I've been seeing stuff about, uh, uh, you know, the idea of Arizona seceding from the union. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and uh, honestly, I was kind of taken back because on um, this person was like, it blew her brains away. Like she was <laughs> visibly shaken. She wow. said, we can't even talk. We, we can't even talk. What are you talking about? We can't talk about secession. That, uh, what i come from a military family we can't talk about that we can't we can't talk about the you know and and, and you know what what would china do what would all of, all of these things and 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 by the way i like i get it you know the the um if you've been raised for not just your generation but for generation after generation after generation you know that that world war 2 that um, American imperialism was was in fact not imperialistic. Um, that right. um, <laughs> you know you've it's, been raised. It's not, it's not an empire when we do it. Right, right. That, that there's that there's nothing that the that the um, you know the federal government can't do. You know, red, white, and blue. These these colors don't don't blur. You know, when you've been raised that way, it, it is really difficult to get your mind around the idea of wait a sec, like maybe those people on the other side of the ocean aren't my enemy after all, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe we need to think about this a little bit differently. Exactly. I mean, and it's one of those things whenever I, uh, encounter people that are like one nation indivisible, right? I'm like you, I, I even wrote about that today. I'm like, you realize not a single, cause one of my former students, speaking of former students, she, she, uh, wanted to interview me, just ask me some questions over the phone. And, one of them was, 
you have a lot of, this is what she said. You have a lot of controversial opinions and she's <laughs> like, well, which I don't agree with, but I see what she's saying. And she's like, right. What, what are, what do you say? You know, your top three controversial opinions. And, and one of them was that not a single one of the founding fathers would ever recite the pledge of allegiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a single one of the founding fathers would accept a government uh, police force. None right. of them would, not a single one of them accept it. And none of them would ever um, allow to have happened what has happened to us with regard to taxation. But um, the, 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 the part about secession is like it's so – when you read what the founders wrote, when you read what the founders read, it becomes so clear. But then people are like, I, I wrote an article today, Mike, as a matter of fact, for the New American. I'm, you know, I'm winding down the teaching and ramping back up the writing. And I wrote an article. It's already been published. I wrote it and they instantly published it about uh, some New Jersey lawmakers yes. who are. Have you, did you see that article? I saw that article. I wanted to bring that up. So I'm glad you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I quoted in there, uh, Cesare Beccaria and it's like, and I say in the article, I know that you're going to be skeptical when I say that this is one of the men, one of the nine most often quoted men by the founding generation. I know you'll be skeptical, but you're skeptical for, for a very logical, predictable reason is because for five or six generations, depending on how you counted, you know, the the great majority of Americans have been educated, giant quotes around educated, at government, you know, at, at schools where the curricula is mandated by the federal government. Well, the federal government's never gonna teach you what you need to know to dismantle the despots. They're never gonna do that. And so it's, it shouldn't be a surprise. You shouldn't roll your eyes and say, oh, this guy says that Cesare Beccaria was often quoted. I've never heard of him. Well, yeah, but that's on purpose, you know? Yeah. And well, so it's, I, it's the same re- is the same reason that you were the one after how many, you know, 40 ish years, we'll say ish <laughs> generously yeah, ish, after exactly. 40, after 40 ish years of living on this planet, you were the one that introduced me to Cato's letters. Like I'd never even heard of them. And and well, they're one of, they're they're probably the most fundamental ideas that that the founders used, you know, for for both, you know, seceding from Great Britain as well as 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 forming the government that the, the governments that they did. Yeah, I mean, you well, and that's the thing, Mike. You know, and this is what I tell people because some people are sort of, I wouldn't say naturally, but the and, and speaking of Trenchard and Gordon. Uh, the, there's an, an Thomas Gordon translated the works of the Roman historian Sallust, and in an, in an essay that he appended to that translation of Sallust, he explains that yes, people are naturally uh, defensive of their education, and then when you present to them an idea that is completely new and novel and foreign to them. There's going to be this sort of natural pushback, but if you continue on and you can demonstrate to them how reliable uh, the information that you're trying to transmit to them is, a good person, a sincere person will see that and will learn. And then you've got another, you know, you've, you've expanded the, the, the broadcast uh, area of the truth. And so... That that's the problem is a lot of these people like the lady you're talking about that you know was left aghast at at Rachel's question. It's not that she's bad; she's ignorant, and that goes to another one of the guys. I would encourage anybody who's listening to uh, read the uh, whole duty of man according to the law of nature by Samuel Pufendorf, another top ten most often quoted man by the founding generation. Pufendorf has in his book, The Whole Duty of Man, According to the Law of Nature, Pufendorf has a whole section on ignorance and defines voluntary and involuntary ignorance. And man, reading that, and I don't remember when I read it 20 something years ago, it it changed my life because I'm like, oof, I have too many sacred cows in the old, in the old corral here of Joey's mind, you know. 
and I had to be and reading Pufendorf and just saying, oof, I've got to be intellectually honest enough and you know, intellectually courageous enough to slaughter the sacred cows, or else I would be voluntarily ignorant, which is unforgivable of a sentient being, particularly those of us who believe ourselves to be the children of the divine. To walk around this earth voluntarily ignorant is a sin if you're a Christian. Um, sin if you're a Jew or a Muslim, for that matter, or a right. Buddhist. And there's a, um, you know, there's that, I don't know if you know very well, and well, I know you do. I, I shouldn't say it like that. I don't know if your listeners know very well of um, the Chronicles of Narnia, but, you know, in the last book, the last battle where the dwarves are sitting there and they refuse to recognize the feast that Aslan has provided and, and Peter and Susan and who was the other one? One of the other boys is like, Aslan, can't you, t sh you know, prove to them that this is not garbage? Cause they're, the dwarves are sitting there. This is, a, this is garbage. They're making yeah. us eat garbage. This is terrible. It's so dark. And Peter's like, Aslan, can't you just pull their, you know, hands away from their eyes and show them that they're eating a feast. He's like, no, I can't do that. They wouldn't even believe it if I did. I, you know, I have all this. And so there's so many people, Mike, that, uh, walk around this earth, like those dwarves in the last battle, they, they refuse to recognize that today we have the access to everything that our founders read. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great blessing and, you know, going right back, taking it full circle to the question about the hope is like the certainty I have is I've seen the power of these writings of these uh, men who influenced our founding generation. And I've seen how those same writings influence the generation, what, what they would call generation. I don't know what they call after Z. I don't know what the one after Z is. Who knows, I don't but either, but yeah. Z prime. I don't know. But, um. They, I've seen the effect that these writings have on these people, and I don't even have a doubt. I mean, I know that I'll be in the grave before it happens, but who cares? I mean, I, I know for a fact that we will, you know, that we will welcome the return of the Savior to a, a free America. I'm not even, there's no question in my mind about that, but there's also no question in my mind there's going to be a lot of hard work. You know, I really appreciate you saying that. I think there's a, I, I just um, yesterday did a, a, did a short podcast on, um, on the idea of the, the true, the good and the beautiful. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, the, 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 I was inspired by um, a talk that, that Jeff Dice gave at, at the Mises Institute 40th anniversary gala or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a, a little while back, but um I mean, and he he talked about bringing beauty back into economics, um, and I and I've it really sparked something that 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 I've had kind of in my I've been kind of I don't know molding in my soul and my in my brain for a while now, and that's the idea of um, you know what is true, what is art, what is beautiful, what is good, and and what are the like how do you know when it is? And one thing. And it goes back to what you said about how things that, that these ideas of liberty translated, you know, they, they inspired the, the founding fathers, but they're also inspire us today. Um, one of the, the things I talked about is, is that there, these things are fractal in nature. In other words, a fractal is, is a, is a, is it's a design that is the same and works all the way from the bottom to the top and you can't really get to the bottom of it but it's 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 the same thing and truth is like that you know like if if you um if you say something that is true or or let me put it a different way you know it's it's bad to tell a lie whether you're you know a six-year-old child or the president of the united states like that's that's a, a something that is true all the way up and all the way down, and the mm -hmm. fact that these ideas of liberty work in that same way are kind of fractal in nature. That you they 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 I, I don't know spin around and and they morph, but it's always the same things that that 
inspire people to say, wait a sec, we have to look at this in a different way. And that's a long ramble. <laughs> no, no, know, but you're right. No, but you're right. And it's like, it's one of these things that I, one of these video series that I do off and on now is like, uh, you know, what did Trenchard and Gordon write 300 years ago today? Yeah. That is completely applicable to our own time. And, and because they published uh, many of their letters in 1722. And so you can look and you can just go and see the date and pick the date. And Mike, it never fails. Do you know that they wrote about something called the, the South Sea Company? That is nothing more than the early 18th century version of the Federal Reserve. So you read it and you're just like, oh my gosh. Wow. How did we, you know, but, but when you look at all these people that the founders read from the ancients to the moderns, you see this 2000 year, uh, consistent message of the value, the supernal value of liberty and how it is that one must go about protecting it. Because if you do not protect your liberty, you will have no property or no life to protect. Yeah. And so that it's it's urgent that we have people. And I don't know what it's going to take, man. Every day, this place gets more perverse. It gets more tyrannical. It gets more illogical. I don't know what it's going to take to set off the powder keg. But, you know, I, I, you know, I can't wait to see when we get that generation that says, yeah, we're going to go ahead and undo all this, you know, right. We're, we're going to be, we're going to rebel in a, in a completely different way. <laughs> you know, we're going, we're going to actually, you know, we're, that, are we, go ahead. I'm telling you, man, no, read that section and I'll get you, I'll, I'll send it to you. The section exactly in Sydney where he talks about the, the hidden unregarded man. I'm telling you. Yeah. These kids are being kept and he, but he's talking about, you know, he's not talking about the future. Well, he is talking about the future, but he's, he's judging the future by the past. And he's saying, you know, how are the Tarquins? How, how are the Kings run out of Rome by these kids that were taught at home out of the, out of the, you know, eye of the tyrant. And when they got to a certain age, they gave great testimony of their love of Liberty. And he's yeah. like, we, we're still talking about it. And mind you, you know, Sydney's writing this in the in the late 1600s, and here we are still talking about these people. You know, and 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 that's the the great shame of it. One of the great shames of America is that we have passed on the education of our children onto you know government propaganda, and oh, and man. so and so those those lights are so quickly dimmed out. Um, and so many people that, that I think, uh, you know, we'd have, we'd have a, a lot broader, uh, army if, 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 if there were more people taught at home, frankly, <laughs> well, you know, or at my, least, it, at least took their educations, you know, their children as seriously as they took their, you know, their, their, uh, their bank account. Well, or, or the, you know, how many likes they get on their posts on Instagram. It's like, yeah, it was this is, this is my thing, Mike, and I, I'm going to be real serious about it. Um, as opposed to the non-serious way I talk about everything else, but, um, I imagine, and of course I'm no prophet and I don't have any insight that other, other Christians don't, but in my mind, when I cast my mind forward to, uh, the so-called judgment day, I imagine there'd just be a little room and there'll be two, two chairs in that room, one for the savior and one for each one of us as we go in individually. And I can't imagine the conversation that will occur when our savior asks a mother and a father, uh, you know, about how they handled the education of their children and have that mother or father say, oh, well, for 13 years, we just handed them off to strangers and, uh, and we allowed them to spend eight, nine hours a day, five days a week for 13 years with people who did not share their values. And in fact, who would 
talk about subjects and say things that I didn't want my children to hear. And then the Savior will interrupt and be like, what do you mean you didn't want them to hear those things and learn those things and, and associate with those people? Yeah, I didn't want them to be that. But you just said you dropped them off there every morning for 13 years. <laughs> and I can't imagine the silence and the terror that a parent would feel. But Mike, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, there are people willing to, you know, live a, a subsistence lifestyle in the name of laying wealth and fame on the altar of liberty. And, you know, as parents, y'all have a a sacred obligation to care for the upbringing of your children and dropping them off in indoctrination camps where strangers teach them about sexual intercourse at eight years old. I don't know how you're going to justify that to the Lord. I mean, if you can, good on you, but I don't know how you're going to do it. And the thing is, I think it's going to be one of these, the, the patriots who end up restoring, you know, the sons of Liberty 2.0, those, those kids, no one's going to wonder who they are. They're going to be Rachel's kids. They're going to be the kids of, you know, of your sons. They're going to be these kids that we could all pick them out right now. Yeah. Right. We could all pick out the parents of the Sons of Liberty 2.0. We could all do that right now. And it's going to be one of those things where, sure, you know, liberty is the tide that lifts all boats. And so you're going to have these, you know, second generation Samuel Adams and John Hancock's and George Washington's and, you know, Patrick Henry's and Thomas Jefferson's and James Madison's. You're going to have this second, you know, the second generation of them. And the people who really never did anything are going to benefit from the courage of those people. And, and, you know, what identifies you, what identifies you as a future founding father? Well, what are you, what are you spending your time studying? What do you, do you, you know, do you drink downstream? Are you just listening to people that are themselves ignorant? I mean, I, I was a teacher and I'm not going to name names, but in a, in a brick and mortar school that I taught in, in high school, I, do you know how many teachers I saw that would admit to just studying the subject a day before they taught it? And it's right. like, oh, I'm I'm not a Latin teacher. I teach. I I learned. I studied math in college, but the only job available was teaching Latin. So I have to study Latin to stay one week ahead of the kids. And we can't have that, Mike. We can't have that if we're going to have a restoration. And we will have a restoration of liberty. Problem is, it's like my dad. My dad was 25 years in the army, and one of his favorite sayings was, "Lead, follow, or get out of the way." Yeah. And, that's what we're going to have. We're going to have a lot of people that are going to get, have to get out of the way, you know? Well, and, and yeah, well, and I think, I think that's also part of the good news is, um, and, and I love, actually, I've, I've, I've heard Michael Malice make this point a few times. It's like, it doesn't take the whole population. It doesn't take a third of the population. It takes a few rabble rousers who are willing to point out that the emperor is naked. And just do it Whoa. again and again. And it's just going to take a people who have been trained by their parents to not be afraid of the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. You're going to have to stand there on the wall and suffer the slings and arrows tossed at you by not only by the tyrants inside the wall, but the people outside the wall who benefit from the tyranny yeah and we will lose some people oh man read that if you, if you want to see who we were and how we are not our father's children read that book from the late 1800s that chronicled the lives of the signers of the declaration there are stories in there that are that are just terrifying of how these men and their families suffered for we, pledging their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Right. That, 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 those weren't hollow words when they, when they did that. Well, no, that's the, and that's another thing, you know, we, 
we are, you know, God spoke the universe into existence using words. And today, nobody really thinks about what they say. It's like, I think you and I have mentioned this before. My first uh, Wolverton ancestor that came to America was a Quaker, and we still have his Bible. Well, I say we, our family, I don't have it, but a member of my family still has it. And in the front, he has written, uh, never speak unless that which you say is more profound than the silence it replaces. And today, it's nothing but, you know, words and the multiplication of words and, you know, just these words constantly, constantly, but sound and fury signifying nothing. You, you realize you and I, in the time, whatever, how many minutes we spent today, have said, we have said more of value. And I speak that objectively. I don't mean just because I think we're both clever, even though we are crazy clever. And, and you know, undeniably interesting. But if you... <laughs> If Clearly, you just yeah, if you just separate that, there's been more of value said here than has probably been posted on you know uh, the Fox News channel in in a month. Oh yeah, or CNN or any you know I don't want to pick on anyone, just any of them. But the point is, why why so many words? And I think that's the point. The point the ty the tyrants love using sound to just, you know, to increase the signal to noise ratio. It's like, how can you get the signal through the noise? Right. And if, if we can, and this is something I'm writing a book about, if we can copy, you know, if we can copy the pattern and the policies and the, uh, the practices of the committees of correspondence, of the you know the time of the war for independence we can do this again we just have to realize what do we say to whom do we say it you know do, does it matter if you know if facebook you know deletes your account no it doesn't no it it's and it's funny how that you know that becomes a badge of honor to, to so many right but, exactly yeah <laughs> you know um but the but but you're right it, it's about it's a, there was a book. Um, oh man, I can't remember. It's the author's name now. It's called how to read a book. Mm -hmm. And the thing I love about the book and the thing that made me realize is, is, is when you read a book, you need to read it in such a way that you understand what the author is trying to say. And that seems obvious, but it's not because in order to understand what the author is trying to say, you have to get into the author's head in order to get in the author's head. You have to have read the things that the author has read in order to understand that a good writer that is to understand what a good writer is writing. And it's the same thing. If, if we want to get in the, the head, um, if we want to understand what the author of Liberty has said, we've got to understand what the authors of Liberty read. And, and, you know, that, that I think is such an important, um, aspect that, that is missing. Um, that, that's where, um, <laughs> you know, your, your, your phenomenal book, um, Founders Recipe, I think is, is probably the best resource and, and, and a primer of what, what the, if you want to know what liberty, um, what the words of liberty mean, you got to know what was said before. You know what I mean? No, and and, that, and I do agree with that about the book, and it has nothing to do with me. And, and I, I mean, I'm the author. Well, about, it, I'm the author about twenty pages. The rest, well, I'm just a compiler. You're, you know, in the in the in the in the immortal great words of, of Ronald Reagan. You know, they call me the great communicator because I communicated great things. You know, <laughs> well, and that's and that, true. And the and um, no, go ahead. I was just saying that, and you know, that's, that's the power of the book is that you are communicating the great things that, that have been said before. Yeah. And you know, it's just so funny, Mike, that, uh, nobody really cares, brother. You know, it's the thing you've got a certain, uh, a certain group of people that do care, but for the most part, it's but what you said about the book. I wanted to read. Speaking of Founders Recipe, I have a yeah, yeah. 
quotation from Francis Bacon in that book. And he says, read not to contradict and confute, nor to believe and take for granted, nor to find talk and discourage, but to weigh and consider. In other words, don't just read books that you agree with or books that you want to find something wrong with or books that you'll have little gobbits that you can throw out and sound intelligent, but read books that will really help you weigh and consider what, what the truth is. What do you believe and, and why? And if you can do that, then you will be a person who is able to not only identify himself as a leader, but to have others say, well, that's an obvious leader because this guy is able to explain so much uh, in such an easy way. And I think the only way to do that is, you know, it's the the Richard Price thing, right? Richard, oh my gosh, dude. It's like, I say this about all these guys, but it, Richard Price, a Welsh preacher that our founding fathers they offered him citizenship and a home because they called him the torchbearer of liberty. This guy was in fuego. And he had he had this uh, quotation. He says, um, our first concern, if we love our country, must be to enlighten it. Why are the nations of the world so patient under despotism? Why do they crouch to tyrants and submit to be treated as if they were a herd of cattle? Is it not because they are kept in darkness and lack knowledge? Enlighten them, and you will elevate them. Show them they are men, and they will act like men. Give them just ideas of civil government, and let them know that it is an expedient for gaining protection against injury and defending their rights, and it will become impossible for them to submit to governments, which, like most of those now in the world, usurp the rights of men and are little better than contrivances for enabling the few to oppress the many. Now, dude, that was written in 1789. That's powerful stuff, man. In, I mean, just that phrase, enlighten them and you will elevate them. Show them they are men and they will act like men. Yeah. You know. Here's, here's uh, let me play a little bit of devil's advocate to that. And it's not really devil's advocate, but I think it's human nature. And that is, man, you ask why people don't care, don't seem to care. And I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's because, well, I don't know why, but I do know that for many people, man, if they were to open their eyes, it's, it's kind of like what you said before about sitting with the savior on that judgment day. Mm -hmm. If, if they at any time were to open their eyes and to see the actual, um, tyranny that they've been not just supporting, but voting for and hoping for. And like, if that was, if that, if like, if, if, if those scales came down for their eyes for just a moment, I think it would be more than a shock to many people. Um, so they don't want to know they, they're walking eyes wide shut, man. They're like, like there's no way that they're going, they're, 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 they're going to follow that Fox news report down to the bitter end, no matter what the, the evidence says. That's fine. But may posterity forget that you are a countryman. May your chains hang. I don't care. Mike, I really don't. It's one of those things. It's like people ask if I get discouraged. I get discouraged in the sense that I wish more people care, but I don't get discouraged that there aren't more of us because that's fine. It's like uh, Henry V, right? Uh, when he gives that, that uh, now I forgot the name. What's the battle? The St. Crispin's speech? Yeah, the St. Crispin's Day speech. What was the name of the battle? The uh, uh, Avon, um, was it Avignon? Oh, I did I, Avignon, no, maybe, no. 
I don't know, but it's St. Crispin's Day speech, Henry V, Shakespeare, where he says, no, I don't wish for another person here because the fewer of us there are, the greater the share of glory. So, right. you know, fine, don't, don't care. Don't care. Send your kids to the indoctrination camps. Pretend that you deprogram them when you know damn well you don't. You don't do it. They come home. They go to their room. They look at Netflix or Disney Plus or YouTube or Instagram or TikTok. You do the same bloody thing or you watch some show that you've been been binge watching and it's, and, and you put that on rinse and repeat for the next 13 years. And then you wonder why, you know, the destruction of the family. And then I'll hear people say, you know, it's, it's the LGBTQ community that's led to the destruction of family. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it's the fact that those of us who claim to value the traditional family, with our lips, we draw an eye into it, but our hearts are far from it. They haven't destroyed it. The, the, the LGBTQ community hasn't destroyed the family. No. These Christian families have destroyed the family. We have no-fault divorce. We have take your kids to strangers for education. We have go, come home. We don't have dinner together anymore. We have popular culture that denigrates fathers. We have popular culture that makes it seem like it's okay to be serial monogamists. And so that's what's destroyed the family. And we could stop it all. But the point is, you don't want to. I don't care. The, the fewer of us there are, the greater the share of glory. And that's fine with me. Because again, lead, follower, get out of the way. And I'm happy to have a follower. You know, we've all been followers at times. People say that to me. They're like, oh my gosh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have known all this stuff. I'm like, dude, I appreciate that. I, I do. But I also know that I used to be a, you know, the guy that would cry at the Pledge of Allegiance and be like, yeah, one nation indivisible and, you know, you know, kill them all, and let God sort them out, rah, rah, USA. And then, you know, I had to come to that education. It was difficult. It was painful. Yeah. It, it still is. It still is. In the sense, it still is that you have people that, you know... <laughs> I guess that are conservatives that are disappointed that I say certain things, but you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, all that's going to matter is what side did you fight on, man? And how are you going to justify? I fought on the side of even abating, even compromising with tyrants. Because yeah. I'll tell I'll tell you who was the ultimate nonconformist, and his name was Jesus. Amen. So yeah. you try sitting down across the table from Jesus of Nazareth and explain how, well, the Romans were good and they treated us kindly and they you know, they they had some bad policies, but we we voted harder, Jesus. You know, and that's the thing, Mike, being so close to election day, that's one of the, the things I told that student of mine. I told her that one of my controversial opinions was not to, to vote. And I'm like, no one has ever voted themselves into freedom. Ever, never, ever in the history of mankind has anyone voted himself out of tyranny and into freedom. It didn't work that way in 1776. It won't work that way in 2022. So you're going to have to decide. Do you want to vote your way into maybe a little bit lighter chains? Or do you want to do what it takes to break the chains, pull the plantation house down, and string up the slave owners? Man. <laughs> that that's that's the thing and, and and by the way and you're right it it it's a done deal and here's why for for those believing christians um out there that are listening like it is a done deal 
our our freedom, our liberty has already been bought with a price, right? And and it, and it, and frankly, it wasn't the price of patriots. They paid a, a bit of the price, so I don't want to like poo-poo them. But the but the price that was paid for your liberty was paid on on Calvary. And uh, oof, now come on, now preach. I'm gonna start patting <laughs> my foot now. Mike's no. getting the Holy Ghost over there. <laughs> no, it's true. And 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 so when and it's funny when we pray. When we pray for for Christ to come again as King, like I don't think we've read what it what that means. And and one of my very favorite um, the thing I let me put it this way: the thing I pray for every day is that that come quickly, Jesus, come quickly and put mm-hmm. down all put down all down all authority, not some of it. Put down all authority so that we can have peace on earth. Well, because that's the deal. You name me a slave that ever voted himself into liberty. Na- it didn't Zero. Happen. None of Zero. Them. None of them. And yeah, they're going to be some Ciceros, man, because they're going to be some Mark Antonys that are really, really upset at the things you call them out on. And yeah, you might end up with your hands cut off and your tongue cut out. But so persecuted they, the prophets that came before you. And as you just said, Mike, guess what? The ultimate zealot, the ultimate liberty lover, the ultimate patriot hung on a cross, man. That's right. So you, you know, you, we've all got to decide what is our limit. And right now it's embarrassing. It's like quoting that Richard Price. Richard Price, one of my favorite things he says is, Knowledge without virtue just makes devils, right? Because oh, James, man. James in the Bible, right? The devils know and tremble that, you know, they know that Jesus is the Christ and they tremble to know that. But so what? They're still devils. right? And, you know, Richard Price says, and he <laughs> mimicking Sidney says, you know, if you are a virtuous people, because you simply have to say honestly, Am I ruled by a tyrant? If the answer to that is yes, then you are not a virtuous people. Period. So, and dude, Sydney, that's, dude, that's well, that's deep, man. It is deep, but Sydney doubles down and says, "There's another easy way to know. Look at all the organizations he says in your country that are devoted to the propagation of perversion or evil in any sort of way." simple simple it's math and and the question and the question for us is you know can you find you know lord can you find me 10 organizations yeah. that are not propagating evil brother i'll tell you there have been so many times in my life when i've been straight up elijah and been like hey jesus i'm gonna be over here under this tree i'm done israel even israel and i, I say that even americans i can't even convince an american to fight for liberty. So Savior, I'll be over here under this tree just doing my thing. Just you and Hugh Mercer, man. You you and Hugh Mercer under the tree. Yeah, exactly. And so it's <laughs> then it's like, and you know, G, just like the Lord said to him, he said, you know, I have I forgot what number the Lord said, three thousand or something, whatever, that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And there you go, man. We're right back to the beginning of the conversation. I know I have looked into the eyes of what most of the world would call children who have not bowed the knee to Baal and never will. And not only that, but they're going to have each one of these girls going to have five or six little patriots that they're going to raise outside of the control of the tyrants. And when they get old enough, boom, you're talking about what is her name? Uh, uh, what's her name? Bonnie, the total eclipse of the heart where she's saw. Oh, Living um, in a living in a powder keg and shooting off sparks. Right. <laughs> you you wait till Ra- you wait till Rachel's, you know, sons get to be old enough. We'll be living in a powder keg, and those boys will be shooting sparks. Yep. Because they won't take it. They won't. Bonnie Tyler. Be- Bonnie Tyler. By the way, Tyler, for those of you yeah, scoring yeah. at home, <laughs> you got it. Oh man, but yeah, but they won't take it, man. They won't. They they. People think that I'm just being hopeful. I'm like, man, I'm not being hopeful. I study history. 
That's I the- study history, man. I don't need there's I know, you know, like Patrick Henry, the great statesman himself, the the four you know what do you know what Lord Byron called Patrick Henry? What did he call him? No. He called him the forest born Demosthenes. Dude, do you know what I would give to be called the forest born Demosthenes? Okay. And to be and to be called that by the Lord Byron, she walks in beauty like the night. You know what I'm saying? Okay, dude. Listen, I'm just a dumb musician. You gotta explain that to me. <laughs> oh, so but you know who Byron is, right? Lord yeah. Byron. Yeah. Okay, so Lord Byron, the poet, the English poet, he writes about uh Patrick Henry that Patrick Henry is the forest born, meaning born in the forest, Demosthenes. Demosthenes was the great Athenian orator and statesman who oh, stood, okay. stood up against Philip the Great and Man, Alexander. Why are we not memorizing Patrick Henry's speeches? Brother, look, this is, and, and another thing, well, but <laughs> anyway. you throw out everything wrong right now. Just like, Patrick, why are we doing Patrick, this? Patrick, oh, you're not going to read Patrick. Look, why are we not going to read Samuel Adams' Harvard dissertation? Dude, there's more fire. Why aren't we? It's like this book that this I'm compiling another book because I don't actually. I, I feel like I'm a tour guide. I don't. I'm not an architect. I just show the work of architect. You know what I'm saying? I'm like <laughs> this is something awesome that some other guy did. Let me take credit for pointing you to it. You know. <laughs> but um, this I'm putting together this book called Letters of Liberty, and it's all these letters that the founding fathers read. You know, Cato's letters among them, but others too that that we've just the Junius dude. Read the Junius letters. Oh my gosh! And you read this, and I I I would send you a copy of my like a picture of my page. They're just covered in red because this guy just owned it. And so, why don't we read it? Because someone might actually believe that stuff, right? You know, they're going to be someone sitting there and going. Hey, why do all why do all these people say the same thing? Why why do all these why do all these people why do our founding fathers read letters and books written by people who say tyrants are enemies of humankind and should be and should be dispatched immediately? You know why do they all say that, and how come we think that we should just vote the bums out? Because heaven knows that's been successful. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I. It's funny. I I've had this thought for a while about you know all you know what what history calls the great men, and and I just think, man, all of those great men are like murderers and thieves. Like I, I, it just it's, no, yeah. Oh no, you're absolutely right. No, it's totally true. It's totally. It's like I tell people, I'm like, I'll go into someone's house and or in a in a class or somewhere where I give a speech, and I'm like, you know, y'all like to hang up pictures of these tax evading, whiskey drinking, cop hating, tyrant murderers, right? George Washington's my hero. No, he's not. You couldn't hold his jock strap and you wouldn't stay in the same room once he started talking about how he got down. When he's like, you know, other things, because this is a guy who'd be like, well, you, you know, that famous quotation by Jefferson about, I, I think we should just sink the whole island of Great Britain into the bottom of the sea. <laughs> yeah, just sink them all. Now, but what about the innocents? Eh, they're not so innocent. They're English. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You're, it's you're like, complicit. <laughs> complicit, yeah, man. You're, 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 you have a tacit agreement of tyranny. If you're, look, I don't care, man. I don't care. If you don't give me the thing about, well, it's the lesser of two evils. It's still evil, Dumkov. Right. It's still evil. Don't, don't sit here and say, well, I voted for the lesser of two evils. You realize that that means you're voting for evil. Why don't you do? What those people in the paintings that you hang in your house, why don't you do what they do? You know why? Because you don't love liberty. You're comfortable on the plantation. How comfortable hey, are we? How comfortable hey, are we? Come hey, on, hey, tell me. You got, you got a job. 
you've got food, right? You've yeah. got, you got your Wi-Fi going. Yeah. Come on. Come on. What Liberty meant. Some of us yeah, are going to look. Bread and games, brother. Bread and games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, and that's, that's of course, read, there you go. Read, there's one, another one. Everybody can quote, bread and circuses, man. Okay, where'd that come from, smart guy? I don't know. Why don't you read juvenile satire number 10? Just read it. Sit down. Google it. Instead of Googling, you know, ridiculous things, Google juvenile satire number 10 and read the whole thing. And then grab a pitchfork, maybe a rifle, and let's do this the right way. Now, let me ask you this, because you've had a couple yeah. of articles. The, your last couple of articles have actually dealt with guns in general. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd love to chat with you. And, and I just love, again, and you're doing this this whole episode. So it's one of the things I love about you, Joey, is that you're able to take these ideas and explain them in a way, not, not explain them in a way that, that we understand them today, but point out the similarities of, of how history is repeating itself. So hmm. I, this, first of all, the one about, about abolishing the second amendment in New Jersey, you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to put these articles in the show description. You've got to read it, but <laughs> reading about King George the third, and some of the, the, you know, just, I, I, I have to read this, this, this one quote, cause it just makes me laugh because of, <laughs> okay. Is it something I wrote or something King George no, it's, wrote? It's something, something that he, he said, oh, okay. oh, oh, where the heck is it? It made me laugh because it was so, it, it's so pompous and full of himself. And I get it. He's a king. But, you know, this is a thing that, again, it's one of those things that just ticks me off is, is you know, placing one man above another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when he's talking about, oh, yeah, he's talking, <laughs> this, I mean, this quote is so, if this doesn't sum up royalty right here, when the unhappy and deluded multitude against whom this force will be directed shall become sensible of their error, I shall be ready to receive the misled with tenderness and mercy. <laughs> yes, I'll be ever so kind to my disloyal subjects. I mean, it's, oh, why thank you, great father. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, totally. But oh. can't you just put that in 20, what are we, the 21st century? Yeah, put that in 21st century language. And Joe Biden has said those things. Absolutely. Why in God's name should an ordinary citizen be able to purchase an assault weapon? Um... For the same reason that ordinary citizens had, quote, assault weapons on Lexington Green. Right. Uh, for the fact that my servant doesn't get to tell me what weapons I can and can't own. That's right. Pretty much that there, uh, King Joe. Yeah. Who but again, but again, what's what's he going to do? He going to enforce this? No. It's going to be just like in the Third Reich, brother. Right. Hitler didn't burn a Jew. Hitler didn't didn't lock up a single Jew in a, in a concentration camp. You had lower level bureaucrats carrying out all his nonsense, his That's evil. Right. So don't tell me that and I wrote an article about this several years ago about don't don't give me the red flag nonsense that the federal government yeah the federal government passes these things but guess what it's local police that enforce them that's right that's so, right so please go out to your truck right now I'm I'm talking to you not you Mike but you whoever's listening go out to your truck get that stupid I back the blue sticker off your car or Leave the eye back, the blue sticker, but please take the don't tread on me sticker off. You can't have both of them, man. Or else you can't, if you want, take them both off and get a new one. Maybe I should start an Etsy store and sell one that says Red Coat Lives Matter. 
Well, right, right. Because here's the thing. Here, here is the thing when it comes to the police, and I think it's something that everybody needs to understand. And I'm going to try to make this just as clear and simple as possible. the The police are not there to protect you; they're there to protect the state. That's the right. end. Well, it's the state that's paying their bills. It's the state that's that's paying their. Uh, that's- oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, Mike. I'm going to disagree with you. It's not the state pay you. You and I are paying their bills because we are forced to fund the police for fear of incarceration if we don't. Right. The state the- doesn't have a job other than being a mafia. Now, now let me. Now, I'm, 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 I'm not going to try to be too cute here <laughs> because I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because. Okay. All the state needs to do is just print the money. The only reason why we pay taxes is for that jail to be jailed. Oh, no. oh, it's all oh, the state needs to oh, absolutely. If they can print 12, 12 trillion, they can tw- print 50 trillion. It doesn't matter. But it is, but just think about how perverse that is, man. Yes. It, it's just Animal House. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Right. Right. And you and don't need my money except as a way to humiliate me and remind me of who's in charge. And that's why you need the 13 years of government indoctrination camps to remind you that without government, there'd be no such thing as roads or, or you know, peace. Because everybody knows that the government does nothing but maintain peace throughout the world. That's right. Yeah. I. I you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Well, read the law about it. I always say to, I always say to people, they're like, what do we do about roads? I guess we wouldn't have any, man. If you're, if you're, if your only way of getting something is if the government steals your money and does it, then I guess we won't have any roads. But of course, you know, think about that with things even more substantial, more critical to life, you know, what would you, how are you going to get it? What if we didn't have grocery store? Think about this. If we didn't have government, we wouldn't have grocery stores. How am I going to eat? I don't know, man. Plant a seed, you Igmo. Come on, man. Right. right. Plant a seed. Kill a cow. Do your thing, man. Learn a skill. Do something. But if we didn't have roads because the government didn't build them, then we obviously don't need roads. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing: Does the government brush your teeth? Right, but, but here's the thing: we do need roads, and they would be built. Like uh, exactly, that, that is exactly. That, would be, that is the thing that would be figured out. I mean, this is there were roads before there was government making roads. That that's for sure. There was literally everything better before government got involved, and lest we have this notion that government is some other. Government is collective us, man. Oh, so dude. all all we have to do to stop government is just say, okay, government's over. No, but no, I'm not. Nope. Then come get it. If you want this one, come get Print all that money. We're not using it. Print it all you want. Not going to use it. Because the Constitution literally in black letters says only gold and silver for the payment of legal tender, pub, payment of debts, public and private. Literally says that. So, but what happens if we all just do it, dude? What happens if, what happens if 2% of Americans refuse to obey any tyrannical order issued from any level of government? What if 2% there, it, would there would, it would change overnight? And change you know overnight. what? That, that, that may or may not be true. Like, I believe you. Like, I'm not just saying that what i'm saying is it what would change overnight are the lives of those people the lives of those two percent no matter what whatever happens outside that's not to say say we'd be successful right well but we'd be successful within within you know well i I was gonna i'm gonna take back what i was about to say see that's a preemptive take back there (laughs) well yeah you you, yeah preemptive (laughs) You you sent in a predator drone to 
take out to do a double tap on your comment you were going to make. Well, because I was going to say, you know, that that those two percent could live in peace, but unfortunately, we know that's not true. You know, we only have to talk about Ruby Ridge. We only have to talk about you know the the Bundys in, in Nevada. We only have to talk about like case after case after case where the government just can't leave it alone and they'll just murder people. Flat well, out murder. Oh yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they, that will happen. I, I hope and pray that happens. Right. Because that's, that blood is going to be the sacred offering place on the altar of Liberty. Why should it not be for us the way it was for our fathers? What they couldn't vote themselves into liberty. We're not going to be. Able, we've become convinced that we can, but we can't. And they couldn't, and they knew that. And after a while of the first Continental Congress, this you know the olive leaf written by John Dickinson, the second Continental Congress, and George the Third doesn't even read it. Finally, they're like, "All right, let's light this candle, y'all." You know how long will we suffer the long train of abuses and usurpations? But we we don't care, and this is the thing. We it's okay that we don't care. It's okay that so many of us don't care, because there's going to be those few who do. They're going to do the hard work for the rest of us, and we're going to put their faces in paintings. And in the next century, we'll have the faces of you know we'll have their faces in paintings and busts, marble busts, and they'll be around, and and we'll all benefit from the work of a few men. The way it is always been and the way it will always be the fact is that there are billions uncounted billions of people who all benefit from the courage of one man that man being jesus of nazareth you are listening to end of love First of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. We're trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down. 